Ryan Chapman, Fix Your Funnel. I'm happy today to be interviewing somebody I consider to be a friend. We've done some projects together, big ones. I don't know if he's still happy after the projects, but uh, <laughs> hold on a second. We have a flyover. Today I decided to do interviews uh, at Torrey Pines Golf Course, which I forgot about the flyovers I had requested earlier, and they came right on time, so that was in your honor. Um, today I get the if, pleasure of interviewing. If I knew you were going to be at Torrey Pines, Ryan, we would have done this in person. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have let you know. Um, today I have I have uh, Cruel, Chambliss, and Cruel and I have gone back for a couple of years now, huh? Yeah. I think you yeah, were one we, of the, we, the early adopters of Fix Your Funnel. It's been, uh, gosh, I don't know how long it's been, Ron, but it, it, it was, it has been a few years, and, and we've had a, um, as you mentioned, a few, uh, what we would consider successful projects, so. Uh, and we keep oh, coming back good. for more. So, yeah. Well, so it's not too bad either that or you like pain. So <laughs> one of the things that that has been really great about uh, working with Krull over the years is is he's really stretched our system, and he's put us through the paces to see what we could actually do. So um, sometimes that, that's why I say painful is because he's really um, because the projects you do are are big. They're not. I don't even know if they're considered small businesses. But you've uh, you've done some pretty amazing things, taking some you know cutting edge technology and putting it into place for for fairly established big businesses, um, yep. from universities to uh, retail locations. You know they have over 50 locations around the nation, and you've done some some really great stuff. So I'm excited to have you uh, on today's interview series, and yeah, I'd like to start out with the question of. of Tell us about your business. What, what business are you in? Sure. So uh, the name of the business is Immerse Me, I-M-M-E-R-S-E-M-E. Uh, -E -E. And, um, Brian, we, we say that we are a message advancement firm, and we generally have to do a little bit of explanation about that. Each organization, whether they can articulate it or not, has got a message that they're trying to get out. And um, what we do is we come in and work with organizations, and if they can't articulate uh, what their message is, and this goes into a lot of the branding work that we do, brand identity work, uh, we'll help these organizations focus their message so that they can articulate and tell a story about themselves. Uh, we will generally then go through a process where we'll help to shape that identity, whether that's, you know, visual design or, um, uh, you know, verbal design, et cetera, and um, ultimately get to where we are managing their message on their behalf. So a lot of our business, we function as almost like an outsourced marketing expertise or, or marketing group for uh, clients. In some cases, it's we do very specific and defined things for our clients. In other cases, we are their marketing team and marketing department. They outsource that to us. So we've been uh, uh, privileged to have a lot of trust with our clients, and some of the projects that you're referencing are where we go in there and we, uh, we our mission, we, we talk about creating solutions to advance our clients' message. 
And what you're referenced to this point is a little bit of the creativity of that creating solutions component of what we do. Um, that's resulted in a lot of fun projects. Well, and you were mentioning before we started, you just recently acquired some, uh, a new business that added a new division to your company to allow you to do that even quicker. Is that yeah, we what did. That did. Real excited about that. Uh, it's actually not uh, been publicly announced. So fine well, to talk about we'll it. Wait yep, a couple of weeks before we let this out, so that way. <laughs> um, but we did. We we have um, uh, we have acquired uh, some new uh, uh, staff to our team, and as part of that was an exclusive relationship to be a uh, design uh, uh, partner uh, with another consulting firm. Uh, to handle all of the uh, uh, branding design work. Uh, we do a lot of high-end web uh, work as well, application development, et cetera. So uh, pretty exciting well, uh, acquisition for us, and, and we're excited to uh, to announce it here. And uh, we're probably four or five weeks away from panel announcing. Okay, well, we'll, we'll hold off until then to let this interview go live. <laughs> you, but, can interview, you can interview um, us again in about five weeks, and we'll tell you all about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'm always humbled by with these interviews because of the quality of of the business owners that that we've had so far, and this is no exception. I mean, whenever we get into a position where somebody's acquiring new new people, whether that's through bringing on another company and merging or something, that's that's pretty sophisticated, at least in my mind. So, congratulations to you on yeah, being you. able to do that and make that work financially, because I know that that's the big deal is making all the the numbers work out for everybody. And that's right. It's easy to do it yourself, but when you start introducing other talented people, that's where I, I have a lot of respect for that because I know it's not easy. How did you get to this point where Immerse Me was formed or where it is today? I mean, what's what's your story? Has, Immerse <laughs> Me hasn't existed forever, so how did you get here? We, we, yeah, um, my business partner, uh, his name's Aubrey Prince, and uh, Aubrey and I, were friends, and we worked together uh, in volunteer capacities uh, actually at our church uh, about 15, 20 years ago. And in volunteer leadership capacities, we ended up working uh, on a lot of uh, different projects and discovered that we complemented each other really well. Um, that resulted, uh, my background is business strategy, marketing technology. His background is uh, marketing strategy, sales um, and we started Immerse Me back in 2000, uh, kind of the, the concept of talking about this was even in the late 90s, and really started uh, trying to help uh, specifically faith-based nonprofits uh, communicate their message better, and uh, we actually begun doing software development and marketing software to these nonprofits, and, and um, uh, the idea was it would connect and plug into their existing websites, but Fifteen years ago, um, uh, having a website for totally the nonprofit animal, huh? sector is totally different. Yeah, we, we ended up having to, you know, it was, hey, great concept, love the idea. I don't want to do anything with my website to drive more traffic because I don't even know how to manage it as it is right now, much less, um, you know. So you were ahead of your time. It was a, and, and that's a little bit of a, you know, we joke internally here uh, that, our, we don't have a lack of ideas. Um, uh, you know, the challenge is always, and not just with us, but any business, it's, it's it's not a shortage of ideas. It's who can execute those ideas well and, as you kind of mentioned, the unstated is, and do so profitably. Um, but uh, we ended up 
um, having to solve web problems first before we could market our core um, products. And as I'm sure you well know, software development is an expensive animal. And our market naturally started gravitating toward where we were doing a lot of just web work uh, back in the day. Um, Aubrey and I, and, and uh, you touched on this a little bit uh, before of, of bringing on smart and talented people, and, and we've really been privileged to do that. Um, uh, we have, uh, it's very humbling to, to talk about, I know it's not the, the, the um, focus of this interview, but we're just really proud of our team and, and have been able to acquire some very, very talented people. Well, and, don't, actually, don't get too too far off and thinking that it's not the topic. But I, I just want to pause you real quick for a second sure. and highlight a couple of things that you said for the listeners because you know, sometimes I take for granted that everybody's going to pick this out. But I want to point uh, this, a few things out on what you were just saying. Number one is um, you have a partner who complements your skill set. And I, I think many people that are in that situation where they have a partner that they've been able to work with for many years and it complements, you know, being that they have different skill sets than you do, and being able to work synergistically together, that is such a huge, huge advantage. Huge. Absolutely advantage. huge. And, and those that have it don't recognize it sometimes, but anybody that's working alone feels it. They feel that lack of being able to bounce ideas off of somebody or lift somebody when they're low and vice versa. And having a partner that, oh, here's your second flyover I requested. So – but being able to being able to have that partner makes a big difference in so many aspects. And you know, when you make that work, it's a huge I can't, blessing. I can't agree with you more. I cannot agree with you more. And, and um, you know, if it, just kind of carrying that thought a little bit further, um, because it was actually a topic of conversation. We I, I actually just got back into town from a planning retreat. We were onboarding our new team. Um, uh, the last several days, and, and one of the topics that we were talking about was co- uh, company culture, and and uh, you know making sure that our new staff understood our uh, kind of our genesis story, our uh, the, the the history, and how we got to where we were, and and uh, a lot of the conversation uh, took place in Aubrey and my relationship, and how we have tried to model that with the rest of our staff, and and. Uh, the trust that we have and respect for one another and our gift set and and, and really the um, articulating of, of saying, here's what he's good at. He is better than that than I am. And here are the things that I am better than he is at, 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 in certain areas. And there's just a lot of self-confidence and self-awareness to our strengths and weaknesses, and, and we complement one another. And look, even in how we uh, build our team, we do a lot of um, – personality profiling and team analysis and when we put uh, teams together to work on client projects we're always looking at how they're going to function and and what we need to deliver for that client based on their unique needs Um, so we it's interesting that you pick up on that we we put a lot of stock into that uh, as well so yeah Um, the other thing that you just pointed out that I want to make sure everybody gets to is and I don't know if, if you know who John Huntsman Sr. is uh, I don't. Does that name ring a bell at all? Okay. No. He's a billionaire, and he got his start out. I mean, he's got a book out, I think, that's Barefoot the Billionaire. He's one yeah. of those Horatio Algier stories in the modern mm-hmm. era. He's alive still today, but I don't know for how much longer because he's getting pretty old. But he started a petrochemical company, you know, from scratch, basically. And um, 
his one of the things that he pointed out is similar to what you were just pointing out, so that's how you know success leaves clues and such, is that he what he did is he always hired smarter people and put them on his team. And you hear that all the time from very successful oh, yeah. people. They point out that what they got really good at was finding smarter people and putting them in a position where they could really shine and letting them do their thing. And so basically great. where they made their value was organizing these really smart, talented people in a way that they could really perform and create value. And so I see that's, that's, that's another part I want to point out that, that for the yep. listeners is that's what you're doing in your team, and that's part of why you're so successful and able to attract big, good clients. I, I, want, I want to find people that can do a better job at something than I can that are smarter than I am. And, and um, uh, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. And it, I, uh, from my personal experience, I know that can sometimes be very difficult to be able to let go of the reins, hand that over to somebody, and identify those people who, not because they don't exist and they don't have those skills, but because it's a personal matter of being able to let go of control. And especially if you're a small business owner and you're trying to come up the ranks in terms of growing your business, you're going to hit a point where what you do isn't going to bring any more value. You're going to have to... You're actually touching base on a little bit of of one of our core uh, messages that we have with our clients as well is the idea of understanding what your strengths are and augmenting your weaknesses. And there, there, there are obviously multiple schools of thought of, well, should you work to minimize your weaknesses or should you maximize your strengths? And, and um, uh, there's certainly some good debate and good resources out there on both of those topics. But, um, uh, you know, with our clients, one of the things that we talk about is, look, at the rate of change in our industry um, in technology and the internet, et cetera, and, and marketing, especially internet marketing, the rate of change is so uh, fast. There's no way, unless you are a uh, business with enough resources to have dedicated staff, that you can be expected to keep up with everything that's going on. You have your particular skill set, and if you, um, uh, and, and it's going to be more value to you to, in many cases, outsource your weaknesses rather than spend all of this time um, figuring out how to how to pr- improve it yourself. I remember there was a moment where, uh, this is, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, and I was contemplating whether or not I should go learn HTML way back in the day. And uh-huh. I finally had, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the deciding point for me was, yep, I can go spend all this time and learn how to do this, but... I'm probably never going to be as good as guys that are already in, further along than I am. I'll always be playing catch-up to people that are really talented at this, and it's not where I add the most value. I add the most value in more strategic leadership, organizing and arranging a team to accomplish a specific defined uh, goal. Well, everyone I will related, et cetera. back up your decision. Probably the most brilliant idea you ever had because once you get a little bit of competency in something – the real temptation is to try and do it. <laughs> yeah. And if you have no competency in it, then you're able to focus on what you're really strong at and make sure you let other people do. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I know enough about a lot to at least be able to talk intelligently with people that know a lot about a little. And I think that's where everybody needs to be. You know, if you're yeah. going to be that, that center person that's, you know, trying to organize the team and the talents, you do need to have enough competency to have an intelligent conversation. Otherwise, they don't respect right. you. 
but it's it's great if you don't get really proficient at any of that stuff so that you can let them shine. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, well, you know, normally by this point we would have talked about how you're leveraging technology, but I think that in the case of this interview, I feel like what we just talked about is more valuable than, than going in that direction. So I'm going to skip to the next section, which is how are you guys using Fixture Funnel to help your clients? Sure. I know this is an easy thing for you to talk about because you've done quite a bit. Well, it's it's relevant to – we got a little uh, appropriately sidetracked on the um, uh, kind of what got us started and then get us, getting us to the point where we are today, and I'll, I'll kind of put a bow on that. Ultimately, what happened was as the years went by and our expertise in uh, what we'll call new media, Internet media, web, uh, we our messaging – started shifting away from, oh, you do have a website, don't you? If not, here's why you need one, to, great, you've got a website, everybody does. What is it doing for you? How is it part of helping you achieve your business goals? How do you manage it? Can you monetize it? Do you even know what it's doing for you? And so this, again, goes back to uh, what I consider our, some of our core competencies is the uh, the creativity and business acumen to understand what our clients' challenges are and come up with creative solutions to address those challenges. Um, so Fix Your Funnel was a, a tool where we were, uh, I think the the first project that we did, um, I don't even remember which the first project, whether it was the university or the uh, retail establishment. Ryan, do you recall which one was the university? Because okay. that's where you you really stretched this out. I felt like it was we were pushing time. the system. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we were looking for, we had been uh, exposed early on to Infusionsoft and the idea of content marketing, uh, behavioral-based triggers, how do we, you know, how do we define a desired path for a, a contact, um, if they deviate, how do we get them back on and, and all of that, and, and we're looking for ways to communicate um, more effectively, um, you know, as a society, I don't know about you, but I wake up. I wake up every morning, and one of the first things I do is I go through all of the email that got the the newsletters that I'm subscribed to that came in overnight while I was sleeping. And of the, gosh, man, I don't know, 30 or 40 of those I get every morning. I'll probably take the time to skim through two or three, and um, that was a challenge when you look at uh the read rate of text messaging versus email marketing or more traditional marketing ways. So we were looking for solutions and I don't remember how we find it. It might have been a Google search or it might have been at uh InfusionCon or something like that. A trade event where we were exposed to fix your funnel and just started investigating and, and seeing things that we could do and and I think this is another key uh, principle for us at least is the technology is not the answer. It's just a tool to get to an answer. And yeah. so we're constantly looking for different tools that help us achieve our clients' goals. Um, and, uh, you know, if if something else comes up and becomes more effective, we'll develop a, a proficiency in whatever the next big thing is. If that's what helps our clients or helps us achieve our clients' uh, defined goals. So, um we use Fix Your Funnel really as a way to communicate and connect with uh, our clients' audiences uh, in a higher, uh, you know, in, in a higher response rate way, more immediate way. Uh, we built um, 
significantly expanded their contact database and did uh, much more effective marketing um, and used it as more of an engagement tool uh, than anything else. And we did that with combination of fixture funnel and infusion talk. Excellent. I want to point out a couple of things that happened just organically as you were talking there. And I think this isn't even on topic at all with what we're talking about, but it's yeah. it's uh, useful, and I want to point it out to the listeners, too, is you don't even know how you found out about Fixture Funnel. And frequently, I mean, that, and that dissipates over time as well, so that, you know, the, the years can add sure. to that. But sure. even if we talk to a new prospect that comes into our business, uh, whether it's mine, yours, or whoever, and you ask, how did you hear about us? Frequently, whatever they tell you is wrong. So you're if you're relying right. upon, you know, a verbal tracking of where the person heard about you to be the way that you know what's, which uh, advertising media is working for you, you're going to make bad decisions. And this is why tracking is so important in terms of tracking how does a person come in, the door, what's, you know, what's the lead source that originally added them into your database, where have they interacted or seen other stuff. As much as you can track that, help you to make better decisions about where your marketing yeah. dollars go. I know that's if a I had to go back side if I side thing but. Go ahead. if I had to go back or could go back, Ryan, and uh-huh. um uh, apply some of the the learnings um that I I've got today, it would have been earlier in the life of our and growth of our company to establish good systems. And that's one of the things that uh, the picture funnel and uh, the other tools that we use help us do is establish good foundational systems. It's a lot easier to, to turn a boat, uh, you know, when you've got a, a small little skiff and then you're driving a, uh, you know, Titanic or, or that's not a good word picture. A battleship maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Point being well, is it's, it's a lot easier to make those moves when you have smaller mass staff resources. Well, at the same time, it's also more challenging because when you're in that startup or early infancy mode, you don't have a lot of resources to be able to do some of the things that you know you should do. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, even with e- even with that, I would uh, I I would like to think that knowing what I know now, I would have disciplined myself and our team to uh, establish these systems in, more in our infancy. We still put a lot of emphasis on it. That you you would have. And here's why I know you would have is because um, I was very blessed to be able to have um, some knowledge of some of these some of these concepts before we started our first training company back in 2007. And with that knowledge, the very first money we spent was on getting Infusionsoft. Before we had paid ourselves or anything like that, we yeah. we got Infusionsoft. And the way that we collected data from the very beginning was we collected name, fax number, you know, business you work with, physical address, email address, phone number, cell phone number. That was every single single prospect that came through. We collected that information. And I know there's – that's why sometimes I'll I'll debate with people that say email is the best thing to get. Um, Because with that database, you know, we didn't leverage it properly the first time around. <laughs> yeah. But we're just about to ink a deal to revitalize that training company. And because of the database, we're going to add about a million dollars in revenue to our company in 2015 because of the database. Yeah. If we hadn't collected all that data, 
we wouldn't be in a position to be attractive to somebody to do this deal. And that's all because we collected those those addresses, the phone numbers. And we went through and we just ran them through some different software where you can validate stuff. And we found out that of the 40,000 that we had, 30,000 were still good. Well, that's pretty darn good. That is and good. we have relationships where people spend money with about 10% of those. That's pretty darn good, too. So because of that, I have an asset that can be turned into more money and more opportunity and, that's and more a good, value that's for the a good descriptor of the result of those solid systems is it is an asset. It's not just oh, yeah. I'm doing this because I need to track it and I'm doing it because I should. It's good business. It is an asset. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the higher quality that database ends up being, the more you can monetize down the road. Now, I think that often when people come to immerse me, they're probably looking at, hey, I, I have a marketing problem I want to solve. But what they don't realize that you do in the process is you actually increase the value of the company by putting into place some of these systems. Absolutely. Because if we looked at any business, we could have a business producing $10 million in revenue per year. We say, oh, that's a great business. But if they don't have the systems in place, to automate the marketing, to collect the data on the clients and do all this, then what would happen is if we were to take the principal out of that business, within two or three years that business would be gone because they don't have the systems, they don't have the database in place to be able to allow it to perpetuate without the principal person who makes the, all that stuff happen. And so that, as a result, that's not a sellable business. Yep. And, you even uh, – yeah. you touched on something too is, is the um, – the value of that um, uh, over time and and having the benefit of, uh, for you and for your companies, understanding some of these principles early on. And you're right, we didn't we didn't get exposed to the, these principles that you guys, are, that you're talking about or that we're talking about um, uh, near as early as we would have liked to. But one of the advantages that, that we have is we, we are now in the teaching phase of teaching those principles and we do that often with our clients. Um, we've got a large medical practice <clears throat> as a, a client, and um, they are the largest by volume practice of their specialty in uh, in the southeast. Uh, Congratulations! And and have uh, we? They've been a client for uh, three or four years now, and have uh, you know have shifted there. This is a key principle too. Is is in, in many cases, we're not asking our clients to spend more money. We are reframing the way they think about their marketing dollars. Historically, they have viewed it as, oh, it's just an expense. It's a cost of sales that we've got to have and I know we should have, which, by the way, when things tighten up, it ends up uh, being tempted to be one of the things that gets cut because it doesn't have any personnel associated with it. But we shift that thinking from being an expense to an investment, number one. And uh, number two, we are helping them to uh, reallocate rather than add to how they spend their existing marketing dollars. So one of the best clients for us is someone who's spending a a good amount of money on more uh, non-systematized traditional um, uh, marketing strategies. They're putting ads in magazines, uh, you know, running newspaper ads, billboards, and, and those are becoming less and less. Uh, but one of the things that we're going in and doing is, is teaching them to shift those resources over to some of more, our more systematized strategies that have these tools like Fix Your Funnel built into it. Um, and then uh, we had a conversation, uh, it was probably two or three weeks ago, with one of the principal doctors of this medical group, and trying to help them understand you, you have 
300,000 patients in your database that you're not marketing to. We can segment and parse that and group and create messaging for each one of those targets and, um, you know, just the the principles and the concepts that we're bringing that to this audience probably is almost a given. It's it's, But it's just not known, or it seems to be for us at least. Um, yeah. Uh, just these ideas and the principles that we kind of take for granted because we've been doing this for so many years, taking that uh, uh, that knowledge and applying it in our customers' field um, has been a, a, a very successful strategy for us at least. Well, that's awesome. You know, I think about what you're doing with um, with these various clients that you've been mentioning, and it truly has to be transformational just to get them to think about and be able to document that it is an investment, not an yep. expense. Because I think that's normally why it gets put in the mind of the business owner or the management as an expense. Because there's, no, there's never documentation on where's the return. It's an ephemeral thing. It's kind of like, well, it's out there. We think that if we spend this money here, it's, it's responsible for this and here. But because there's no direct connection, that's why it's so easy to chop it when things yep. get tight, which one of, inadvertently kills one, the whole thing. One of the quotes from Aubrey, my partner, that I, I love, and he used to say this all the time in, in talking with clients, and they'd say the clients would tell him, I am convinced at least 50% of my marketing is working. If I only knew which 50%, I'd be doing great. <laughs> Okay, guys, Aubrey Prince, put that under there for attribution. Yep. You're going to use that quote. <laughs> that's right. Well, hey, that's fantastic. Well, it, this has been really good. Now, I want to close on a on a, a question for you that maybe exits the, the hard sciences here that we've been kind of introducing through our conversation yep. and goes into the kind of the, the philosophical, and that is what for you has been – the, the guiding principle that's responsible for your success and growth? What would you attribute the principle or concept? You know, Ron, I'll, I, I, I could, uh, several things come to mind, and we've talked about the great talent and, and um, systems, um, the trust in with my team and my executive team and, and partner and, and complementing one another's strengths and weaknesses, uh, empowering them to do work, leading well, et cetera, that, um, something that I don't, uh, we haven't touched on is just the way that we approach our, our clients. One of, one of the ways that we talk about internally whether we're successful with a client is that we want to move from a vendor to a strategic partner with our clients. And there is a trust factor that our clients have in us and our team, and that's built over time. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when we are a strategic partner with them, there is a level of our understanding about their business. And, and part of the smart people on the team idea is we really do function as almost business consultants for them of, of taking our understanding and business acumen, uh, marketing expertise, um, and, and figuring out a way to create a solution to advance their message. And um, in that strategic partner mindset that we have, there are times where we will um, we will make a decision for our client that is the right decision for the client, the right decision for the relationship, the right long-term decision that might be a little bit of an uncomfortable or a painful short-term decision for our company. And we do that 
because we, everybody, we all know, everybody, all the listeners, you and I both know that the most profitable client is a long-term client. So when we have, when we work with a company, we really do bend over backwards to keep that client as long as we can. Now, we don't keep them through the, the teeth of contract necessarily, although those are important for our work. Um, but we do it through over-serving uh, what their expectations are and constantly managing those expectations. You reference reporting, uh, making sure that we can um, that we have regular meetings with them that says, hey, here's what we're doing, here's what you're paying us to do, here are the results of what you're paying us to do. In some cases, quite frankly, they're not necessarily good results right out of the gate. But one of the great things that we can do because of the systems and the infrastructure that we put into place is we can evaluate those systems and make adjustments to them. And the clients know that we're doing that. And we make a big deal about that. Hey, this strategy didn't work. And we can determine and we know from the systems why it didn't work. Or at least we have a pretty strong theory as to why it didn't work. So therefore, here's how we're modifying our strategy to address this new data that we have as a result of tracking the behavior um, of these people, how they're engaging with our messaging. Um, so I think I think that's been another uh, key principle for us is just that idea of vendor to strategic partner doing what's right for the client. That may sound a little cliche, but uh, it's no, I don't think it is at all for us. And you know, I can attest, uh, having seen you guys work up close with clients, that um, Scroll is not just he's he's not just talking. The words because they sound good or anything like that. This is literally how they they live and interact with their clients, and it, it's been inspirational for me to see uh, your focus on that. And I agree 100%. I, I think that having that that concept of wanting to be a, a strategic partner versus just a vendor is a, is a great goal to go after because number one, anybody that's just been quote unquote a vendor knows it's just not fun because they're shopping you and they're doing this or that. But when you can move into that position of trusted advisor, strategic partner, now you have an opportunity to actually do stuff because you're not having to fight that uphill battle proving why they should be doing business with you. That's already been established. What you're able to focus in on is let's get results. And one of those pain points if you can focus on that, that's great. Yep. One of those pain points, if we're working with a a company in our – you know, outsource kind of retainer model, we will not work with a competitive company within that market. So, and we've, you know, we, we turned down that, we turned down that business, um, well, frequently. And I guess I was kind of going to say, unfortunately, because you can sit there and go, that's lost revenue, but it's also kind of a testament. And I guess I should wear it almost as a, as a, um, an accolade to the team and, and the results of what we're able to do. For our clients, because their market competition sees what's happening with this business, they're not really sure why. Uh, and when they start investigating, they realize they're working with us, and they'll contact us and ask if we can do. You know, it's it's can you do for them, for us what you're doing for them? Well, yes, we can, but we won't, because it would be a violation of the integrity and trust with our current client, who's a competitor in the market space. Um, that creates an interesting relationship with our clients and, quite frankly, with those in the market because now it, it's almost, it sounds kind of funny, it, it's almost like now we're something that they can't have, they want us even more. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of oh, weird. That's me. You're, you're such a tease. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, hey, Crow, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I think this has been a fantastic interview. I'm sure that the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. And I'm grateful Great. you made the time to be with us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Humble, humble that you'd ask, Ryan. Thanks very much.